Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. Good morning. How are you guys? You think like you go through it and worship the first service, so you get over kind of being wrecked and then you just, it happens again in second service and that thought that he's riding on the storm. There's a place in the, in the word in Psalms where it talks about God coming like a terrible falcon to destroy the enemies of his people. It says lightning billows from his nostrils. And what you see maybe as a storm with that perspective could be you stand and you look at the storm and you think somewhere in there my God's working. And somewhere in there, there's an enemy that should be terrified, not me. Um, so, if you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter four. I want to kind of, um, I want to kind of tie up the the messages I preached on grace um, with with this message. Uh, I spoke two weeks ago, and then the week before, and then Zach spoke last week. Did an awesome job. Um, I was just so proud watching him just be himself, and 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 uh, and he's funny, you know. Like I'd have to tell jokes to get you guys to laugh like that, and um, and I thought about telling like a knock knock joke or something, but then I'd be trying so hard. Uh, but Matthew chapter four verse eighteen says. Now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you. Um, I thank you that we can open a a book or an app, um, and we can see you, that we can know you and hear you. Um, I thank you that it's alive, that it's that within your word is hidden just layer after layer after layer of truth and revelation. And I thank you that you just make that come alive to us, God, and that it would never be words on a page, God, but that it would be life to our souls. Father, that, that, it, that it would go into our, our hearts and into our minds, and, and it would transform us, God, from glory to glory into the image of your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I preached on this passage before, but I want to maybe a different take on it. Of Jesus is walking along, and there's these two guys fishing, um, Simon and Andrew, and he says, "Hey, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men." And and sometimes when we when we hear that, um, we can because we know the Bible, we we know what that looks like. Like you, you know what Jesus meant when he said, you know, a fisher of men. This would have been like the first time they heard this. It wasn't like they hear this with a Bible understanding that we have. So when they hear someone say, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men, they, they don't understand at that moment what that means. What does it mean to fish for men? Like literally, no one's ever talked like that before. That's the first time that that has ever been spoke by a person is when Jesus said to them, and I'm going to make you a fisher. I mean, we have, you know, there's fishers of men ministries, you know, and there's these... 
There's, 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 I mean, that, that phrase is so common to us because we, we, we grew up in church or we, we've, we've come to church and we've heard the Bible, but, but they were hearing this and all they knew was that Jesus said, if you follow me, I will make you something. And they weren't even sure what that something was in that moment, but they had a decision in front of them of, am I going to follow him? Is he trustworthy? Because he didn't say, I'll make you fishers of men because I'll be with you for three and a half years and I'll teach you and I'm actually the son of God. And what I'm talking about when I say fishers of men is that you're going to go out and you're going to present the gospel to people and the same thing that has changed your life. is He doesn't say that. He says, follow me and I'll make you become something that you don't even understand. And in that, like, there's this... I was talking to um, Tyra and Jen. Um, the prayer team meets in the back room before service, and they came in, and, and Jen said, um, Jen Green said, did you have a good week this week? And I said, yeah, I did. I actually had a really good week. And I said, what about you guys? And they both said, yeah, we had good weeks. And I said, anything like, you know, crazy awesome happen, or was it just, a, you know, just another good week? And Tyra said, it was just another good week. And, and then I found this coming out of my mouth. They said, you know, I bet that what we consider just another good week is actually pretty awesome. Because we're being transformed in a process of becoming like Jesus. And so while every week doesn't have these amazing mountaintop moments, in a year you look back and realize, wow, I have so changed from where I was a year ago, from who I was a year ago. My life is so much different. And it's the result of all those just regular good weeks of following Jesus where you didn't maybe have the aha moment, you know, the crazy revelation or dream or vision. Those are awesome when you have them. But the truth of the matter is, is those can't even do something in your life unless you're committed to a process of what is, of what is revealed in that moment becoming something that becomes a part of you as you walk out following Jesus. Think, think about it. Um, um, in, the, in the Old Testament, I'll show you in the Old and in the New, but in the Old Testament, Saul has one of the most amazing experiences that, he's, that, that anyone's ever had in the history of the Bible. Put yourself in his shoes. You don't have a Bible. You don't know how this ends. You don't have all the things that you already know. You're just in a meeting amongst all the people, and you get picked out of everybody. And he, the prophet, the known prophet of God, that everybody in the land trembles when he comes around because they realize this man carries the word of the Lord calls you out, brings you in front of everybody, pours oil all over your head and declares, you're the chosen one of God to lead his people, and he's going to establish you and your kingdom and your throne forever on the earth. And you are now his anointed person. You are the anointed man to lead his people. And then right after that, he says to you, and, and it's in 1 Samuel 10, I think. I want to read it so I don't, because it's better than I could paraphrase. First Samuel 10, he says, he's telling Saul what to do. And he says, afterward, you'll come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is. And it shall be as soon as you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with harp, tambourine, flute, and lyre before them. And they will be prophesying. Then the spirit of the Lord will come upon you mightily and you shall prophesy with them and be changed into another man. It shall be when these signs come to you. Do for yourself what the occasion requires, for God is with you. So, so you get called out in front of everybody and get told that you're the chosen one of all his people. You're anointed to be king. You are now God's man, you're, and, and you're going to be established forever. And then what's more, and, and, and what he promised to him happened, he says, now I want you to go walk over to the hill of God. 
where the Philistine garrison is. And when I read that, it just something jumped into me and said, no wonder the Israelites wanted a ruler that wasn't God. They had allowed the enemy to camp at the hill of God where God's presence was supposed to be. Anytime the enemy is given the high ground in your life, you may find yourself doing crazy things and asking God for things that aren't even from him. Just be careful who sits on the throne, who has the high place. And so Saul walks towards the hill, and as he does, here come the prophets. They're prophesying, they're playing instruments. As Saul walks towards them, suddenly Saul himself becomes, starts prophesying, and it says, and he changed, and the Lord changed his heart, and he became another person. So he has this amazing experience where he's told his destiny by God. He's picked and, and, and anointed and, and favored in front of everybody. And then he has this amazing encounter. And he says to him, the, 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 the whole point of this thing was, he said, it shall be when these signs come to you, do for yourself what the occasion required, for God is with you. All God was trying to prove to Saul was, if you'll be obedient, I'll do the things that you can't. Because Saul can't make himself prophesy. Saul can't change himself into another man. But he can walk towards the hill like he was instructed. And so he walks towards the hill and does what God told him to do and does the part that he knows to do. And God does the part that he can't. And he said, when this happens, remember this, that when you're asked to do things, that God is with you. In other words, this is just to establish something in your heart, Saul, so that you know from now on when God calls you to do something, if you will do the part that you're capable of, God will do the part that you're incapable of. For the rest of your life, you never have to be insecure as long as you would just walk and do what he's called you to do. But the very next time he gets called to do something, he looks around at the people scattering. He doesn't wait. He sacrifices early. And there's grace. And so Jesus calls Peter and Andrew and says, follow me and I'll make you this. And so now they have this offer presented to them. And all they have to do is follow him. And I, I just, I, I wanted to ask you this morning, like, when was the last time that you didn't feel any pressure to become something? You didn't feel the pressure of what family, what friends, what people, what the world, what your job, or even your maybe idea of God. You didn't feel any pressure to try to change yourself. And you simply yielded and submitted yourself to the idea that he said, if I follow him, he'll make me who I was meant to be. Because here's the thing, is that grace being the forgiveness side of God is very real. So as you're walking and you miss what God's called you to, there is grace. But then grace in the lordship side of him, which is the grace that empowers you to do what he's called you to do, is the part that keeps you from stumbling, like we talked about in Jude. So we talked about that, how he's both savior and lord. He's savior, he rescues you from sin. He's lord, he leads you in a place where you're not constantly needing rescue. But, but with that idea is that if we would just be faithful to follow him, following him looks like seeking him, spending time knowing him, spending time just asking him to, to father us, asking him to shepherd us. Like, God, if you said that you'd be a father to me, then I need you to be a father to me. God, if you said that you'd be my good shepherd, then I need you to be a shepherd to me. I need you, I need you to lead me. I need to hear your voice. I need to know what you're calling me to because if you've asked me to follow you, I'll follow. I just need to know where we're going. 
I don't have to have everything figured out. I just need to know where you're calling me to go. And so in the New Testament, you have Peter, right? So, so Peter has this amazing moment of revelation. See, because here's the thing. Sometimes we get so caught up in chasing these amazing moments, these mountaintop experiences, but if we don't learn to actually just seek him and follow him in the weekly, in the mundane, in the daily, in the non-mountaintop, in the non-visionary, the, the cloud-speaking moments, if we don't follow, learn to follow him in those, we'll live like on a mountain to valley experience where we're only doing as good as the last encounter rather than letting the last encounter encourage us into obedience of following him so we're positioned for the next thing that he wants to do. Because he asked you to follow him and then he said he would change you. He would make you become. He didn't say, follow me and try your hardest to become something and if you try hard enough, then maybe you'll become it. He said, if you would follow me, I'll make you. And so Peter is, is following Jesus, and he doesn't know what, it, what that means. He just knows that he said, follow me. So he's literally like walking along following him, being taught by him. And then there's not this pressure. See, we have this idea of what the finished product looks like, and so we're trying to press ourselves into that mold without realizing that you may not be ready for the next thing that you see because he has seven things he wants to do to prepare you for that next thing. Peter didn't have an idea of what the finished fisher of man looked like. He just had a promise from God that if I follow you, I'll become what you intended me to be. And so he's following Jesus and he's learning from him. And all of a sudden they're walking along one day and Jesus looks around and says, who, who do men say that I am? And they say, well, some say you're Elijah, a prophet, a teacher, a good person. But who do you say that I am? And Simon looks at him and says, you're the Christ the Son of the living God. You're the anointed one, the Son of the living God. Jesus gets excited. He looks at him and he says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. And I say that you are Peter. Simon means shaky reed. Peter means the rock. He says, I say that you were Simon Barjona, but now you're the rock. And on this rock, this revelation from God, not being taught by flesh and blood, but being taught by my Father who's in heaven and the revelation of who I am on that rock, I'm going to build my church. And Peter's thinking, I am the rock. See, he has this amazing encounter with God. He does. It's amazing. And you'll have these moments where God speaks to your heart and he tells you who you are. But that doesn't mean that for the rest of your life, you're then just on autopilot and you aren't capable of being the reed because just a few minutes later, Jesus says, they're going to take me and kill me. And now Peter, he's kind of maybe a little puffed up, right? Because he's now the rock. He's like, the rock will never let that happen. You be careful when God speaking to you gets you so full of yourself that you start to rebuke the one who told you who you were. Now, look, we think about this. We, we read that and we're like, oh, Peter, he didn't. No, you understand. Peter was telling Jesus in that moment, I know something that you don't. I have revelation that you don't have. Let me share my wisdom with you, Jesus, because you think they're going to kill you. But I know something you don't. I'll never let that happen. And so, so Jesus does what Jesus does, right? He, he, does, he rebukes him and corrects him, right? But I, I honestly pictured this as I was reading through this text and thinking about it. I honestly pictured Jesus almost like having to turn, you know, like when, you're, when you want to discipline your kid, but you think what they did is so cute? You're like, you can't do that. Don't you laugh. You know, it's like you're so caught up in like you see who they are and you, you just but you but you do got to correct it. You know, so I just picture Jesus like almost like turning his cloak and smiling and laughing a little bit like, oh, my goodness, this dude just rebuked me. 
He thinks he's the rock. This is awesome. I love his heart. I just, there's part of his thinking that's not right yet. I got to correct it. And then switch back over. Get behind me, Satan, for you're not thinking with the thoughts of God. You're thinking the thoughts of man. What's he saying? He says, Peter, in that moment, he doesn't say, I guess you're not the rock. He doesn't call him Simon. He doesn't say, well, you were the rock, but now you're the reed. You blew it. No, see, there's grace. He looks at him and he says, I love your heart, Simon. It's your mind that I still got to work on a little bit, but I don't want you to lose that. I don't want to crush you and tell you that you're not who I said you were just because you acted like the old you. Because just because you've become something, just because he calls you something, just because he says this is who you are, doesn't mean that you're not capable of having a lapse and acting like the shaky reed. The good news is, is that grace comes and covers that, and then grace calls you into the next time when you're going to need to be the rock. And he's looking at Peter, and he's going, that heart, that, 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 that I will die for you, I won't let anything happen, I'm going to use that, I don't want to crush that, I just need to transform his mind a little bit so that that is directed in the right direction. Everything in your life that you have in your life that was given to you by God, from your desires to the way that you think was given to you by the Lord, and it was never meant to harm other people. It was meant to bless you and to bless other people and to build his kingdom. You understand, like, listen to me. Even the the things that people, you think you war against this thing. God didn't put something in your body for you to wage war against. He put it in you so that it could be a blessing to you and to everybody else in the world. Your desires are not evil. They just need to be directed. That heart you have, that desire you have is a good thing from him. You just need to have your mind transformed and submitted and yielded to him so that as you follow him, you see why you made me this way. And so he looks at Peter and he says, he, does, he corrects him. Like Jesus is challenging. He doesn't say, oh, Peter. Oh, Rocky. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> No, because he wants him to know, like, that's not the way that you're supposed to think. You're thinking selfishly right now. You want me here, so you're rebuking me because you don't want me to leave because you're thinking for yourself. If you were actually thinking with the thoughts of God, you would understand why I'm here. But that's okay. You just keep following me because you're the rock. And when you get it, that same rock, that same heart, will line up with the transformed mind and you'll be exactly who I told you you would become if you would just follow me. So a little while later, the rock is with Jesus and he's got a sword. <laughs> of course Peter has a sword. <laughs> like, listen, you are who God created you to be whether it's yielded or not. It just looks really gross when it's not yielded. Because everything that, that, that is a perversion is a perversion of something that's real. The devil can't create. He can only twist and pervert. So everything in this earth that's not of the Lord is a perversion of something that is. You just study it out. I promise I'm right. Because he can't, well, he can't create. So if he's not creative, then that means all he can do is distort, twist, and pervert. And so, so the rock has his sword now. And in his heart, he's still like, look, I mean, okay, he's turned water into wine. He's multiplied food. He's been right about everything so far, but I think he blew this one. Like, he doesn't know how much I love him. You know, because he's got this sword, and in his heart, he's still going, I'm going to not let them take him. And so here come the, the priests, and 
Against the desire of God, Rocky grabs his sword and acts violently and impulsively. And Jesus doesn't in that moment say, I guess you're not who I thought you were. You still don't get it. How dare you, Peter? Oh, what does he do? He shows him, this wasn't my heart. How does he show him it wasn't his heart? He grabs the ear, he puts it back on, he heals it. You realize that anything that wasn't from the Father, Jesus would undo. It's an easy way to tell what's from God and what's not by looking at what God, Jesus did when he was on the earth and what he did on the earth. He said he came to destroy the works of the enemy, not reverse the works of the Father. I started on that path last service. I'm like, if I go there, we're not coming back, and I want to get where we're going. Just just trust me. He said, I came to destroy the works of the enemy. So how do we know that that wasn't the Father's heart? Because Jesus stood up, put the ear back on on the man's head, and he was healed. How do you know it wasn't God's will for someone to be blind that came to Jesus and asked to be healed? Because he made them see. So, so, so Peter hacks the ear off and Jesus just, he just knows. He's in the process of becoming. From the fisherman that he was to the evangelist that he'll be, there's this process. And grace is covering what he does that's wrong and empowering him into what is right. And if we don't learn to celebrate the little things, we probably will forget to celebrate him in the big things. Have some grace for yourself and realize you're not maybe who you know you're going to end up being, but you're also not who you were. And don't get so hung up on seeing where you're not that you miss where you are, because that will encourage you forward. I have a video I want Crystal to play, and I just want you to just see this for a second. If I just keep doing it, eventually when I do it, it'll come up. Do we have it? We have a technical issue. Okay, but listen, what you're about to see probably will look like nothing to most of you. But it was a moment that we celebrated as if it was the greatest thing in the world because in that moment, it was. Here we go. You see that little foot moving? Then When they pull it up onto the screen, you'll really see it. You see it move a little bit there? That was the first time Aaliyah moved her body coming out of the coma. And so today, if she wiggles her foot like that, do I text everybody and video it and call? No, why? Because she's grown and that's not where she is. But in that moment, that was a big deal and we celebrated the faithfulness of God because we realized like she can move. She's responding, and that means that she's in progress, and she's in process, and we can see that she's not where we know she's going to be, but we know she's not where she was. And I promise you, there is going to be things in your life, you guys, that little things that if you don't learn to celebrate them, you'll miss out on, on, on seeing the faithfulness of God, and you'll miss out on celebrating him, and you won't remember to celebrate him in the big things if you don't remember to celebrate him in the little. So I, well, this is what I'm saying. It's like, have some grace for yourself. And understand that like, there's a day coming where right now Aaliyah's kicking her feet, moving her toes around, and I'm not videoing it and sending it to everyone I know, and I'm not crying and, and, and running around the room like a crazy man because that's not where she is anymore. But there was a time where that was an amazing miracle that she could move just that much. You're not who you're going to be forever. 
right now, but you're not who you were either. And if you would learn to celebrate where you are and continue to follow him and trust him, you'll become who he created you to become. So now you have the rock. He's, he's rebuked Jesus. It's just, I mean, I just think about that. Like, he got this title, and it, uh, like, you can almost see, like, it just kind of went to his head a little bit, and he stepped fully into it. He's like, I'm the rock. They won't touch you. Jesus re- rebukes Jesus, brings the sword, shoom, you know, ears go off. And the whole time, Jesus is looking at him, corrects him where he needs to, makes adjustment where he needs to, but still invites him to continue to follow him. How many times if somebody acted like that after we called them something, would we be tempted to change our mind about who they are? Grace doesn't change its mind. Grace keeps believing. Because Jesus never looked at Peter and thought, there's not a day coming. He never looked at him and said, I guess I was wrong about him. He looked at him and said, oh, that heart. I love it. I just need that mind a little bit. So now the rock gets hauled off by Jesus. And Jesus is carried away to be killed. And the big bad rock is sitting around a campfire. And a guy looks at him and says, hey, you're from Galilee. Aren't you one of his followers? Never knew him. I don't know the man. A little girl. Hey, I saw you with him earlier. I don't know who he is. I've never even seen him. Another man. Hey, aren't you one of his followers? You were with him. I don't know the man. And Jesus doesn't look out of the prison windows and mouth to Peter. He looks out of the window and he said, I knew this day was coming. That's why I told him I'm praying for his faith to not be shaken. And I also saw the day that he would return and strengthen my brothers because he is who I said he is, even when he acts different than who I've called him to be. I've never given up. I've never changed my mind on him. I've never given up on him. And I know that he's in process, and I know that if he'll just keep following me, that same Peter that was scared to tell a little girl that he knew who I was will stand in front of thousands of men and not only declare, I know who he is, he'll declare this, you need to know who he is, or you are not going to spend eternity with him. Repent. Change the way that you think. You killed him. Now die to yourselves, be baptized for the forgiveness of sins, and follow him. And 3,000 men would fall on their faces and say, what must we do to be saved? Why? Because he's the rock. Even when he acts like the reed. And so I just want to encourage us. I, I, we, I was talking to some friends about this this week. We, we do preach challenging messages here a lot. And I, I say this, but I really want to make sure you guys hear me when I say this, like, I don't preach as one who's on top of the mountain, having ascended the hill of God, shouting to people below to get up where I am. I genuinely am just sharing with you the things that God's putting in my heart and the things that are changing my life so that they can actually take root in your heart and change your life too. Because I believe he's graced me and empowered me to do that. But I'm being changed in process just like all of you are. And we're on this journey together, following Jesus to become who he called us to be, trusting that if we just keep following him, he'll make us. The hard part's his. The hard part, how do you take a man who's full of anger, violence, 
pride and arrogance and turn him into a man who, when they said they were going to kill him by crucifying him, said, then crucify me upside down because I'm not worthy to die in the same manner as my Lord. How does that happen? That's the hard part. The part he's called us to is just to follow him, just to do what you know you can do and trust him with what you can. And if in the process of following Jesus you fall down, grace comes and lifts you back up. And you celebrate, but more than that, you start to celebrate as you walk the times that you didn't stumble, that you used to. See, because here's the thing, like, so, so say someone says something to you and, and you would normally be very sharp-tongued and just respond in a hurtful way, but, but you, you're following this man Jesus and you see that, that, that he doesn't say things to hurt people. And so you've, you've been alone with him, and you've been reading the word, and you're seeing how Jesus lives, and you're, you're saying, God, I want to be like you. Jesus, I want to follow you. I, I want to I surrender and yield my tongue to you. And, and someone says something rude to you, and you, bah, you just attack them back, right? So, so then you, 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 because your heart is changing, because there was a time where you would have actually celebrated that and bragged to people about what you said, but now your heart's changing. And a little later on that day, you think about what you said, and you think, oh, my gosh, that person needed Jesus, and I gave them hell. But it hurts. Why? Because you're following him and you're in process and you're becoming who he created you to be. So you get before him, God, I'm, I missed it. God, I want to be more like you. Help me in the next time something like that happens. Help me to respond like you respond. And, and then the next time you find yourself, and grace comes, right? And grace covers that. There's no condemnation. You don't sit around beating yourself up, kicking yourself. But you also tell yourself, I don't have to stay here. And the next time is going to be different. And then the next time something like that happens, what jumps up in your heart is you're just going to let them have it, but you bite your tongue. You, you, listen, that's better than letting them have it. But you can't bite your tongue forever because you've got to eat. You've got to drink. But you, 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 you exercise self-control. Listen, if you never needed to control yourself, self-control wouldn't be a fruit of the Spirit. Like, it's not an autopilot. We're being transformed. But along the way, there's going to be these things that jump up that we have to actually control. That's why self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. So you, but here's what you do. You, you, so even if all the best you can do is bite your tongue, that's okay. That's a victory. You celebrate that. God, I thank you that I didn't hurt that person in return. But you get alone with him and say, but I wanted to. Father, would you just change my heart so that what's in me and wants to come out, I don't have to bite my tongue. Because everything that I've been given has been given to be a blessing to me and a blessing to everybody else. And so if my tongue was meant to bless, then change my heart so that what comes from my mouth is a blessing. So that the next time someone treats me or talks to me that way, my response actually is a blessing to them. And, and, and so grace comes and begins to empower you. It begins to change you because you start to think about things ahead of time because now you're not just hoping that you don't respond bad. You've, you've grown. See, you're becoming. You're walking out this process. You're becoming that person he called you to be when you started following him. You're not who you were because instead of the best that you could do is not giving them hell in response, you're thinking already about how you could give them heaven. The way that you see is starting to change. And with that same heart that wanted to respond, he's fine with that. He just wants to change what comes from it. So if he changes is the heart. He doesn't have to worry about controlling the tongue. In fact, he wants you to be loose with your tongue. He just wants you to be clean in your heart so that when you open your mouth, what comes out is a blessing to other people. And that's grace. 
And that's grace at every step of the way. So grace is covering when I miss it. Grace is empowering me to not miss it. And grace is training and teaching me and leading me to a place of actually not just not missing it, but of actually hitting it and opening my mouth and blessing somebody in return as my heart becomes changed. And no matter where you're at on that, and listen, every one of us are in different stages in different areas of our lives. You may be like, man, it is no problem at all for me when someone talks badly to me to be able to respond to them with kindness. That's awesome. Encourage other people in that same thing. Because what you see, they need to see so that they can respond the way that you do. You may have another area of your life where you're struggling. Find somebody that sees what you don't see. Learn from them. Let them disciple you in that area and actually begin to grow. That's how iron sharpens iron. That's why the body of Christ is together. We spur each other on in love and good deeds. And when we all are walking in the fullness of who we are, the world will know. The world will see. But I just want to just tell you, like, yeah, there's a high standard. There is. There's just no getting around it, right? John writes, those who claim the name of Christ ought to, in this world, walk as he walked, live as he lived. That challenges me. That's not a lot of, like, wiggle room. That's the standard. But that's why grace is there, is because we're moving towards that. And as we move towards that, we're becoming more and more the one that we're following. But along the way, there'll be these setbacks, there'll be these things we need to learn. He doesn't want to crush your heart. He just wants to change your mind. Because that heart that's in you, when you got born again, when you had that miraculous thing that God came and changed you, and he said, I'll take their heart of stone, and I'll give them a heart of flesh, and I'll write my law upon their heart, and their heart will be to know me. Everything changed in that moment. But now the mind is catching up to what the heart already knows. And we begin to manifest on the outside the change that's happening in the inside. And it's a process. And that's why we need grace for ourselves. And having grace for ourselves will allow us to have grace for others. Because when we see our need for grace, it's so easy to see the need that others have for grace. Never as an excuse. Always as an ability to become who he called us to become. So, Father, I thank you for that. I just want to ask, I asked this last service real quick, because we have a little announcement to make. Um, but um, is there anyone here who maybe you've just been living with this pressure of trying to become like, like, maybe you've had a promise given to you, like Saul, when God anointed him in front of everybody and called him to something, and you've taken it on yourself now to try to become that, rather than just yielding to the process that he's invited you into of becoming that as he leads you. Is there anyone here, maybe you feel that pressure? Yeah. It's, it's okay. Everyone does at some point. We, we just stand where you are. I just want to, I want to pray for you. And, and I, I, this is all I want to say is this, is listen. Like, his part is to make you become. Your part's just to follow. Peter didn't have everything figured out. He didn't even know what a fisher of men was. You at least have some idea because you've read the book and see the standard. But he didn't have everything figured out. But this is one thing that Peter did. He said, I don't know what that means, but I trust this man. So I'll follow him and I'll trust that he will do what he said he would do. And so for all of you, that's what I want to pray, is that, that, that you would stop trying to have everything figured out and stop trying to make yourself become something. Yes, we, we, you know, there is a, there, it's not a just sit back and whatever will be will be. That's not what we're talking about. There is this thing where Paul said, I strive towards that, that high mark of the calling. But it's, but it's understanding this. I can only do what I can do. The impossible part is up to him. So if I say yes to him and yield to him, I trust that he'll make me become who he called me to be. And I take the pressure off of myself. And I put him back on the throne where he belongs as Lord of my life and say, Jesus, my life is yielded to you. I surrender to you. I forget every single expectation that I've placed on myself to try to do something beyond my ability. And I trust the one who is able. I trust you. 
I'm not going to try to make this happen. I'm going to follow you and trust that you will. In Jesus' name, amen. Give yourself some grace. Understand, you may not be who you know you're going to be, but you're certainly not who you were. And that's worth celebrating. And every day, we can find something to celebrate as we become more like him. So um, we're going to kill the lights. We have a little announcement to make, and then we'll talk about it real quick. We've been praying and praying and praying and praying and seeking the Lord. And um, so, so I'll take you back a minute. Um, so, so the video is our land that we bought. Um, we pay, yeah. And it, it, is, it is centrally located, like literally almost in the middle of everybody that comes to church, from Simpsonville to Greenville to Traveler's Rest and Blue Ridge and Malden and everywhere, um, and, and it's just an amazing, beautiful property, and you'll all get to see it when you can go there and check it out when you want to, but um, I, about, I guess about a year, no, I guess it was about two years ago, uh, a p- piece of property right off of Highway 290 came available for sale, and I got calls from a bunch of people that come to church here saying, man, that would be the perfect place to build a church, because it's just this beautiful, perfect land, and, um, but at the time, I think the price was somewhere around like $790,000, and we didn't have $790,000. We were like seven hundred fifty dollars short, and um, <laughs> we were almost there. <laughs> and, um, but, but we were like, man, you know, wouldn't that be amazing? And so, um, so, so we started taking up the, the first Sunday offering, not with that piece of property in mind at all, and, but I had a dream one night, and in the dream... Uh, a person sent our church a check for a trillion dollars. And that hasn't happened yet, <laughs> but it hasn't. Um, but I had someone verify, make sure the funds were, you know, that it was a real check, because I'm like, trillion? Like, I you know, you could write a check for that. <laughs> and and uh, the person got back to me, and they said, yeah, the, the funds are, are there. It's, it's verified. It's actually in the account now. And I was like, whoa. And then the next part of the dream, I was riding my bike down Wade Hampton, just jumping the curves like I did when I was a kid. And the thoughts that I had in the dream at that time were, well, shoot, if we have a trillion dollars, we should probably buy that land over off of Highway 290 and start meeting with an architect and drawing up the home that God has for our church family. And so I woke up and I was praying into the dream and I felt like the Lord said, if that's what's in your heart, 
if money's not an issue, then don't settle for something less because money's not an issue. And I'm like, awesome, but money's an issue. <laughs> you know, it's like, Peter, <laughs> they're going to kill me. I'll never let it happen. You know, it's like, money's not an issue. Yes, it is. <laughs> and I wish I could say, like, I, you know, in great faith, but, but I was just like, okay, Lord, you know, whatever. And, and so I, I kind of forgot about that. And we started doing this first Sunday offering just with the idea that we wanted to have money in the account so that if God said, this is what I have for you, we, we were ready to, to do something if possible. And and so one Sunday, two months ago, um, a couple came up to me and, and said, uh, and you'd, you would never guess who it was, so they want to stay anonymous, so don't try anyways, but they came up to me and they said, we have a check for the first Sunday offering we want to give. We felt like the Lord, and they told me kind of the reasoning behind what they felt like the Lord was saying and why they were giving it, and they handed me a check, and it was for $100,000. And I was like, wow. Well, the next day, my friend who had called and checked on the land before called me and said, hey, my realtor called and said, if you guys are still interested in that land, don't be afraid to make them an offer because they lowered the price to $490,000 and they really, really want to sell it. So the board and I prayed about it and all felt like this was what the Lord had for us. And so we offered $350,000 with the thought beforehand that we said, if we could get it under $400,000, we would know this is the Lord because the property is just worth way more than that. And, and it's crazy with the way land's being sold right now that it, that it even stayed on the market. But part of it is it doesn't have sewer on it, um, which is great for us, but not great for like a tr- small you know, builder that wants to cut it in tiny little pieces. And, and also, I just feel like the Lord hid it for us. Um, I really do. Because even after we, we put it under contract, when I showed a couple of people the land, they were like, how did I not know this was here? And one of them told me, and said, if the church decides they don't want it, like I'll buy it for more than you guys paid. Um, yeah, but so anyways... Uh, so we, we offered three fifty. They countered back at three hundred ninety thousand dollars. We said yes. We closed on the land to. We did our due diligence, made sure the county was okay with us building a church there, made sure that all of our our we had enough road frontage for ins and outs and good access and all that kind of stuff. It has a house on the property that we're going to be remodeling and, and using as church offices and a place for during construction where we can we can use for that. Uh, it's just an incredible blessing. And um, so we are now going to be, we were able to buy it for $390,000. We were able to pay cash for it, still have money left over in the operating account. And so our next step is to be, we're going to start meeting with architects so that we can start designing that. What you saw is just kind of a rough idea. We want something that's pretty, like just modern and clean and simple. Um, we need big children's facilities because we have triple the children that a church our size should have. And there's a lot of women walking around with, you know, it's the fruit of love. And, um, and we're fruitful. <laughs> a lot of kids here. And um, so anyways, yeah, we're going to be meeting. And, and as we have more details, we'll be releasing them. If you guys want to want to go check out the property, walk around and pray, um, just don't go at night because people that sold us the property live right next door and they might get wigged out with people coming and going at night wondering who's there. Um, but it, it's right on Highway 290, about a mile off of Wade Hampton. And um, what is the address? I think it's 1707 because it was like a number all the prophetic people would love. When we, t- when we heard the address, I'm like, oh, the prophets are going to love this. <laughs> and anyways, um, but it, it, it basically, if you drive past, um, Ingalls would be on your right. If you go past Ingalls on the left, there is a auto auction, and then there is a little strip center, and then there's two houses. One of them has a auction sign in the yard. The next one has a sold sign in the yard. The one with the sold sign in the yard is ours and belongs to us. Yay, God. 
So really, thank you guys for all of your faithfulness in giving. We're going to have some work days out at the house coming up soon. We'll be announcing them, and, and there'll be stuff that everybody can, can do, no matter what your skill set is or isn't. Um, and, and then we'll keep you updated on progress as we move forward on this. We do feel like we're not supposed to get a mortgage. And we also honestly would love to be able to be in a position where we can build what God has for us and then give this building to a church that maybe couldn't dream of having, maybe that's meeting in a temporary space that couldn't afford something like this, that if we could, we, we want to trust the Lord that, that we can move into something we never dreamed we would have, and in the process we can bless somebody else with something they never dreamed they could have. So that's our heart. That's what we want to do. Um, yeah. So anyways, we'll be keeping you guys updated. We love you. We're so thankful. We're so excited. Um, and, and just, I, I know school's back in session, so we're going to, both services are filling up. And just bear with us and, 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 and put up with it for a little while. We're, we're going to try and get started as soon as we can and, and do it as fast as possible. So anyways, love you guys. It's 1707. It is. Okay, so 1707 Locust Hill Road is the address if you'd like to check it out. Oh, yeah. Where is Will? Hold on one second. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Will, come on up here. We have, we have, a, we have a little bit of a sad announcement, too. I know. Um, Will has been running sound here. Him and Lonnie share responsibilities for running sound. He's been doing it faithfully for years. And he is heading out on the next chapter of his uh, journey. He's actually going out to the Bethel School of Ministry. Yeah. <laughs> this is the funniest thing. He was trying to decide between the Marines and the Bethel School of Ministry. And we're like, it's so opposite. But I, he told me that, and he said, you know, I just still have this thing in me about the Marines. And I prayed into it, and this is what I felt like I told him. I said, it's because you were made for battle. And no matter which way you choose, the enemy should be terrified because you're a warrior. And so, yeah. So that's, that's what's, that's, it's the next step in Wills, and he'll be back. He's, but he's going out there. So would you guys just extend your hands towards him? We want to just pray over him and bless him as he goes. Father, we're so thankful for Will. We're thankful that he's part of our family. And even when he's not living here, God, he'll always be part of our family. And so we pray, Father God, for favor over his life as he goes, God, that you would make the path so clear for him as he takes the steps that he knows to take, God, that you show him the stuff he doesn't know. And I thank you, Father, for favor in, in a place to stay, for favor with, with people, God, that, that, that everywhere he goes and everywhere he touches, Father, your favor, your goodness would follow him. I thank you, God, that he has that promise, that surely goodness and mercy follow him. God, that if he ever gets afraid of what's behind him, he can just remember, oh, that, that's just goodness and mercy back there following me around. We thank you for that. We thank you for the blessing he's been to our church family. We thank you for, for the man of God that he is and for the warrior that he is, God. We thank you for the lives that are going to be changed through his life forever and eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We love you, Will. Awesome. Love you guys. We'll see you back soon.